this is Joanna Angel here, and you're listening to Interview Under Fire Deep Cut. All right, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to a brand new edition of Interview Under Fire Deep Cuts, where we once again dive backstage away from the musician life to focus on other artists and their work. This is your host, your host Sonny, along with a very special guest, this time with award-winning adult film star, director, producer, best-selling author, entrepreneur, feminist icon, a legend in her craft, Joanna Angel. I hope I did the introduction justice. You right did. There. You did perfectly. <laughs> Thank you. Thank uh, you. This is quite the honor. Thank you so much for joining our podcast today in IUF. You know, this is an important yet exciting time of the year for you with the release of your newest book, Club 42, which I have right here. Yeah. Uh, just published on February 9th or 16th. Something, something. 16th, I think, uh, was the official publication date yeah yeah on Cleese Press or is it Kleiss I always mm-hmm. that. okay Cleese Press yeah. uh and I want to say you know congratulations on all the well-deserved reactions it's been getting so far uh shout outs to Fat Mike from NoFX uh Buck Angel Ellie Stranger Chris Narocco who've all praised this one hell of an entertaining read and there's just Thanks. so much I want to unravel about this but before we get to that I'm going to start off with a very simple question we talked about it before the interview how are you considering where we are at our lives at this point? I think it's an important one to ask, but it's, it's a simple one. How are you? How's life in California? Uh, I'm doing okay. You know, look, I've been very, very fortunate, very privileged, um, that I've been okay throughout this pandemic. You know, I don't take it for granted and I I feel like I'm speaking from a, you know, a place of privilege, you know, throughout the whole shutdown, I was able to do a lot at home. Um, and, um, you know, production had started again, you know, and, and porn sets are small enough where it's easy to abide by all the to make everything COVID safe, not not necessarily easy, but possible, you know, mm. something like a nightclub is not possible, you know, or a, a show, <laughs> you know, a yeah, concert, yeah. other things again, but you know, with, with porn sets, once production started sometime in like November, you know, we've all had, you know, COVID testing, and it's, you know, we're able enough to keep the crews small enough where we can, you know, we can kind of get back to normal in our own way. So I, I feel very privileged. Um, and so I, I've been doing, I've been doing fine and <laughs> very well, actually. Yeah. And I'm very thankful. Yeah. And making um, the, I, I hate saying that then I feel like it's, I really feel for all the people that aren't doing so fine. And, you know, I, I feel for all the people that work in, in entertainment that haven't been able to entertain um, and people who work, you know, in, in jobs that aren't okay. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm very thankful that, uh, that I, I am okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, and uh, you've said it best, you know, making the best of this situation is what we have to do is easier said than done. We're almost a year removed from the usual routine that we're used to, you know, and, yeah. and something I did forget to mention, happy International Women's Day. I think it's, uh, oh, thank it's you. an important one to talk about considering how yeah. much of an advocate you are for women's rights and human rights and of course animal rights as well but um, much respect to you for everything you've done now um i know that almost every interview you've done joanna you know it's been this topic that's been the popular <laughs> one for you and you called this the stone age and this has been a popular thing what goes through your mind when you hear the, ne- the numbers uh 420 2002 <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's when burning angel started <laughs> yeah and uh, you hey, know, that- my life never became the same <laughs> And this was, uh, you know, a lot of people say, and it is, you know, revolutionary for the industry. You were dubbed the punk rock princess and you started your, you started your own brand before the social media age and you still yeah. adapted to the changing of times today. 
you ever ever you know gone back to visit that dorm or just that school in recent times oh i have i have yeah, yeah. how is how is that you, I, ever, like, I, does, you just stand there just like wow well it's kind That's... of funny because i get i get like uh there's a porn convention well before covid you know that i used to go to every year that's in new jersey in uh uh whatever it's in like close to New Brunswick. So I'd always get Rutgers students coming and they'd give me Rutgers newspapers to sign. I actually found that I'm on like the, there's like a Rutgers celebrity alumni list somewhere. And I'm on there with like, I think Kim Cattrall and all these like, you know, big time. <laughs> yeah, James Gandolfini, may he rest in peace. Oh, man. Uh, he was, he's on there too. So that's pretty cool that I'm on there. Um, I've done like interviews with so many like Rutgers, you know, university, like students and stuff. Um, and somebody did vice did a documentary on me once um, where they actually had me go back to the house. I used to live in. I mean, granted, I couldn't go inside, but they took <laughs> me to like all my old stomping ground places in New Brunswick. So yeah, that's, uh, it's been pretty, pretty cool. I didn't, I wasn't thinking I was going to leave Rutgers as some kind of like legend there, but I guess, I guess, uh, I guess people talk about me. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like, you know, the most unexpected things are the most exciting ones. I mean, here I am, you know, doing like, and I didn't, I was going to be doing interviews like three, four years ago. And here I am, you know, making my own brand and. Yeah. And, you know, it's exciting when you, when yeah. you happen and it's actually working. <laughs> and, you know, uh, Burning Angel, you know, is a company known for the emergence. Uh, one of the things Burning Angel is known for is uh, the emergence and prevalence of, you know, tattooed women in the film industry. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. You didn't have any, many tattoos at that time, right? When you started off, you know, it's so weird because I didn't have many, but I was the most heavily tattooed girl in porn, you know, <laughs> kind of funny because when burning angel first started, it was more about being punk, but that wasn't something that really other people understood. Like, especially in the industry, yeah. we were much like punk porn. So over time, it just became tattoo porn to like the world that kind of became the visual thing people could latch on to. Or uh, what is it? Alt, alt, the alt porn? They called it that too. Yeah, alt yeah. porn, whatever, you know, but, but yeah, some of the early Burning Angel girls barely had any tattoos, but they had like a punk look, you know? So yeah, I, yeah. I but yeah, then uh, and, I don't know, came known as tattoo porn and alt porn. And I don't really know. Then it just kind of stood on its own as burning angel. <laughs> Here's the thing. There are specific tattoos that have important stories behind why it's even there. At least most of them, you know, my friends are all inked up and you have a lot of ink now. And, you know, is there one you can show right now that as to why it's so important to you? You know, I've always been one of those people. A lot of my tattoos are just cool visual things. I mean, I do have a tattoo. I can't really show it. Um, I guess it's on my leg and it's not in okay. a place it's, you know, it's my, I got my wedding date tattooed to me. So that one was, you know, meaningful. I have a very awesome. small, tattoo. it's like a little uh, stick figure drawing of me and my two sisters and, and we all have it. And that's actually for my sisters. It's their only tattoo. Um, so that's wow. pretty cool. Well, that um, definitely has meaning to it. Yeah. Um, so those two are meaningful. The other ones, you know, a lot of them are just like visuals I thought were cool or have like, you know, whatever. Um, I've never really been like, like, I feel like that became a thing with reality TV. Like you go into a shop and you tell them your story and they're like, well, let's tattoo it. Like that doesn't really happen. And bam, there's a documentary <laughs> right there. You know, I, I, you can find a bunch of those right now. Just clicking no, on I YouTube. Know. Yeah. I, I remember the tattoo artist friends I had, like, like right around the time when like LA Inc became like the biggest show, like tattoo artists were like, oh gosh, um, you know, MTV and Fuse. Yeah, like, but like but I remember my tattoo artist friends being like, everyone's coming in and like telling me story. 
therapies and it's like weird like they almost like tattoo artists didn't sign up to be like therapists <laughs> oh man that's uh, you know i have a friend who actually owns a, a tattoo shop here in dallas and uh um like he was talking about how he felt like a therapist you know and it's like it's like yeah. well i didn't realize i'd be doing this you know I mean, sitting there with someone for hours that but, is true you yeah. know and then and then they would yeah. come back and maybe redo the ink and just add yeah. things. again that's like a whole different episode we're talking about just oh. tattoos and you know we briefly touched on this you know life as of late you know many of us have also been away from what we love doing the most in our daily profession you know for example you know this is a you know heavy metal podcast and music podcast right. so the music. fancy, you know, uh, fancy musicians alike, you know, they're, there haven't been any tours, you know, like I they're know. not, it's, no. that's the so one thing. I have that's, a lot of friends, obviously that work in the music industry. Yeah. Great. And yeah, especially and like, the artists can be fine. The artists can do a lot. They can record, they can live stream, live streams, this and that, but it's more like the people, the underdogs that people don't think about, you know, all the tour managers, the, mm-hmm. the, the lighting guys, the sound people, you know, the, the, all the organizers that of the, of the people that make the tours happen. Those are the ones it's like, nobody, they can't do, you know, they can't hop on Instagram live and do something. They can't like get paid to do something on zoom or like whatever, you know? So it's that, that, I feel really bad for those people. Like all the artists, even though they miss going on tour, essentially they can be fine, you know? Yeah. Um, but like, I mean, if you're like the Metallicas and Slipknots, I feel like they're okay, but then they'll be fine no matter what. They don't have to work a day in their life again. You know, they probably enjoyed the time off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that's also a common answer. Another common answer I get, it's, it's funny we're talking about I, it because I, I enjoyed some of the, the shutdown and I felt guilty yeah. enjoying it. It's it, kind of nice. <laughs> yeah. And we, we've had bands, you know, like August Burns Red and Lamb of God, you know, and bands on this show, they talked about their experience live streaming. Some of them say, Oh yeah, I love to do live streaming. It's a way for me to engage with the fans. And some of them say, "Oh, I'm not doing shit until all this is over." So it's always right. interesting to hear that. But you know, about you, Joanna, you've been in the adult film life for like 20 years. You know, what have you seen that's happened with others in the industry like today? Like, it, it, has anything changed for your routine wise lately, if at all? Like, because we're talking about a year I mean, removed from this whole experience. Are, things are pretty back to normal now. There's just a lot of hmm. extra testing. Yeah vaccines are coming out so vaccines are coming out but yeah for you know it was just a lot of like everybody had to get covid tested every day before set and then there'd be like people be sitting in their cars waiting for the covid test to come back and some shoots were getting messed up because of it but aside from that we've we've been very lucky you know we were able to kind of go back to normal and then even during the shutdown companies were paying people to shoot at home everybody was doing their own like you know all the performers are doing their own like content pages like only fans and stuff like that sort of exploded um so i don't know we we were all kind of okay i mean i think the worst problem yeah. was being bored or stir crazy or missing traveling or something but everybody was for the most part okay I, I don't know how it was for you like the first month or two i was actually okay like i i was able to get shit done that i didn't know i'd be getting oh, done. I'm, like, I'm like this is great like i was i found myself baking cookies i never do oh, that I and i i said to someone the other day i'm like well it's march now any day now should the world be shutting down because i'm getting kind of tired <laughs> can't we just continue this where we work our asses off january and february and half of march and then we take the rest of the year off i'm i'm okay with that i feel like my body is like 
is like ready to go back into shutdown because it's about this time. I'm like, I'm like, is this happening? Because I'm really busy right now and I'm kind of tired and I can use another shutdown. <laughs> and I remember like the third month went by and then the fourth month went by. I'm like, okay, I have to start a routine here where I'm not just in bed all day and, and you know, trying to find a way to be productive. You know, I'd walk my dog and just, you know, try to see how I can be productive around the community. You know, it's, it's challenging, you know, and of course, you know, uh, things are, it, yeah. I mean, I've got um, a lot of stuff at home, so I find myself pretty, pretty busy, you know, yeah, that that's good. And, you know, you, you, you talked about this just for a second, only fans, which is only what, four or five years old. And, yeah. uh, you know, for anyone who doesn't know, it's a content yeah. subscription service, you know, content creators can un- earn money from users who subscribe to the content, you know, the fans, and it's popular in the adult film business and among sex workers. Of course, there are other genres such as, you know, physical fitness experts, musicians, yeah. uh, Make- you yeah, creators who post yeah. regularly online. So uh, what I'm trying to get at is I wonder what your thoughts are on that coming from someone who's pretty much changed and revolutionized the industry. In reality, you built an empire in 2002. Did. And like, you know what? I guess during the shutdown and with this new emergence of building, I don't know if you knew this, like I sold Burning Angel two years ago. And granted, I yeah, still yeah. direct for Burning Angel. I, I just made a very big project for it. Um, but it's uh, I'm glad I don't own a studio. In the in these times, um, hmm. so you know, when I had to stop directing for Burning Angel for during the shutdown, it was not like since I didn't own it, it was, it was sort of the people who own it now. It's, it was their job to figure out what to do, at least financially. Yeah. For me, yeah. it was fine. I, I'm very grateful um, that I don't own it. I guess I sold it at the right time. <laughs> <laughs> That's you know the so timing. Like, the timing was just impeccable. Yeah, and, and- there was. A- part of me that always wondered like did I do the right thing by selling it you know I, I always like kind of miss like you know wondered if I was like some kind of sellout or I don't know but now I'm glad because uh you know um and now I'm very active on OnlyFans but I am still also I'm still directing and doing other things too but um if I hadn't have sold my studio I wouldn't have been able to jump on this OnlyFans bandwagon and I'm glad I'm able to because it's it's really fun and it's great and it it's something uh it's given me a little more flexibility like I can travel and do whatever I want and yeah able to shoot my updates you know I'm not married to always needing to do my work in LA with a crew it's a, you know so it's it's cool it's given me more flexibility it's um allowed me to work from home more um but yeah so now I'm very much doing both but I, I cut my directing down a little bit but still not you know so I'm directing really like three four days a month which doesn't sound like a lot but there's so much pre-production that goes into it so I'm always kind of, of working on and then the rest of the time I'm working on my OnlyFans and stuff like that so hey I went to film school cool. I, I know I know exactly what you're talking about yeah and I know the two things like like also a lot of my fans are very interested in my directing so I can film stuff on set of me directing and interviewing talent and stuff like that. And then I could post it on my only fans too. So I can kind of hit two birds with one stone and it, like only fans is like a thing that can kind of always exist no matter what else you're doing. It, it's, you know, it, it's a cool thing to just be able to have no matter what, you know? So we'll be able to, it's safe to say that only fans did have a positive impact in the porn industry, like well, even going forward, uh, you know, on performers on the talent, it's a, uh, definitely had a negative effect on a hmm. lot of studios um and i think a lot of the bigger studios are trying to figure out how to deal with it because a lot of the content people want now is homemade and a lot of these studios they make big productions but I, what i think is mostly happening now like a lot of the middle studios have gone away hmm. so i think people either want big time studio porn or only fans porn you know what i mean um 
uh, I mean, the people who benefited from it were the were the performers. Um, it's definitely confused a lot of studio heads, which uh, is why I'm glad I don't own one anymore. <laughs> um, speaking of speaking of another thing you own, uh, Doom's Whiskey. How's that going? Because that also is owned by by you yeah. and your husband Aaron. Yeah, it's you know it's it's kind of like a passion project of ours, but it's doing it's doing okay. You know, we're, yeah. we're trying more traction on it um the liquor industry is a lot more complicated than i thought it would be but uh but it's out there it exists and I, we have plans to do a little more with it in, in the future yeah has the pandemic had an effect on it at all or is it just business as usual or has it been uh, business well, as usual? uh but actually it, it, a lot of uh liquor stores picked up business so while we lost those sales hmm. in bars and restaurants and stuff you know we were able to pick up a, a couple more accounts at like liquor stores um so yeah. I don't know. Uh, let's get into one more thing. Cause I know you are a healthy eater as well. You know, you talked about making junk dishes healthy. What's on the menu today for you? Oh, <laughs> I mean, just before, just before I talked to you, I, I make, I take these, these like those no carb noodles. Yeah. I've gotten, and they, they don't taste very good in the bag. Those shirataki noodles, but <laughs> I, I know exactly make, what you're talking about. Are you vegan? Yeah, by the way? I make a, what? Are you vegan, by the way? No, I'm not vegan. Okay, I okay. To, I was younger, but yeah, no, I, I, and so I, I guess for lunch, I um, made my own healthy version of a carbonara where I took like a egg, and I just like kind of poached it. Yeah. And put it on top of the shirataki noodles that I, I rinsed them. I kind of put them in a pan to get all the bad smell out, and then I, I put it, and it was just like the egg yolk and a little bit of olive oil and like salt and pepper on there. And so it was like my healthy, you know, 200 calorie version of a. 1500 calorie dish <laughs> i wonder if this is something uh, you probably um, is this like an only fans thing as well i feel like it could be very beneficial no, for that like exclusive recipes yeah. by joanna angel i, I, I know, can just right? see that <laughs> another thing i can do yeah um yeah i yeah. should do it yeah and then speaking of all the impact the industry has had you talked about you know 2012 you're also crowned that legendary triple player award by <laughs> night moves you know for your accolades as director performer an exotic dancer, which we'll touch on exotic dancer in a second. Right, but yeah, the reason why I included that in the bio is just, you know, a lot of people, I don't really talk about my exotic dancing very much. And it's, it was always something that was really important to me. Yeah. Um, and uh, I spent a lot of time at strip clubs, obviously. So I was able to, that's why I had so much knowledge to write this book. And uh, I had a lot of my very transformative years, you know, at a strip club. And I learned a lot about myself there. Um, so it was really fun to write about and really capture that. All right, let's go ahead and get into the uh, into the stuff right now. Speaking of exotic dancer, let's, that new book, Club Forty Two, uh, yes. choose your own erotic fantasy. It came out mid February in Cleese. Uh, Joanna, I'm gonna need some carrot juice if you don't mind, just to get yes, some. naked carrot juice. You read the book. I'm so happy, so happy. This is exactly so this is the good stuff right here. By the way, I stuff. love uh, naked juice. By the way, this is because I have a uh, Sprouts that's right across the street, and. Uh, I mean, there's just, I, I, it just, it was hand to hand. And um, for people who don't know, you know, this is the follow up to the 2018 book Night Shift, which is your first book. And that was also. So the two are not, um, they're not, they, they're, they're just, you know, in the same yeah. style. They're not the same characters. One's not a continuation. Right. They're, you know, they're just like, you know, whatever. Yeah. yeah but, ha you know, having said that, that book was also, I believe is on Cosmopolitan's list for like legitimately good erotic novels that you must read. Yeah, that's it was like the top 35 or 36 erotic novels of all time or something. Like I was on the list with like, that's a huge like, step for you as a writer. Yeah. Forget what like, like legendary books were on there, but there was like 
you know, some like, like all like some really amazing, like books that are part of history were on that list. I can't remember them now. I actually remember Lolita was on the list, which was one of my favorite books growing up, but then they took it off because I guess you can't really like about it anymore. Cause it's a book about an old man having sex with a young woman, but like I read it in college and it was a beautiful <laughs> novel, but I guess you, you, they don't have it in college curriculums anymore. But I actually remember that was on the list. I was like, what Lolita by Nabokov? That's like the, a, a part of, you know, an English major. It was like one of the most important books written, but, uh, but it was taken off the list. So maybe I, mean, I shouldn't. That, but <laughs> no, I mean, it's it, it, that's it's an important point. I mean, it's something that you're very uh, impacted by, you know, with all this, yeah. you know, cancel cancel culture yeah. that I can talk about that, you know, that's all that's going on as well. Whether, you know, look, I get it. I mean, there's definitely things in that book that are not acceptable to talk about today. Um, but in the context that it was written, it was done beautifully. It wasn't written. Yeah, whatever. that's and that's I, definitely one we look at. Yeah. Um, but um, I acknowledged it as like one of the best erotic novels. And and you know what? They, I hope they read this one because I think this one is ten times better than my first one. I actually now look back at my first one. I'm like, ah, everybody just <laughs> second one. It's so much better than the first one. <laughs> so if I were to go and get your first one, uh, that, that I can do that. Like that would be because I want to. Because now this yeah. is this. Cause, yeah, because yeah, well, this was very. Yeah, this is very thinking outside the box literature literature style. Like I was saying that I don't usually read this genre and then pulled me from the start. Hasn't let me go. It reminded me of those video games. If you know your video games out there, guys, you know, um, like Heavy Rain and The Last of Us, where it gave you the freedom to pick which path pleases you. You know, knowing how successful your first book was, Joanna, was there any pressure when you decided to sit down and write again? Oh, yeah, there was a lot of pressure. I mean, because I did. I put hundred percent into my first book. And I'm just the kind of person, no matter what I do, I want everything to always be better than the last thing. I feel that way about every movie I make, every scene I do, anything I do, I always want to improve. And I was like, how am I going to do better? Hmm. But, you know, just having already written a novel made me, I guess, a little bit better. Um, uh, also, you know, I had a whole bunch of reviews on the first one and most of them were positive, but there were a few negative ones. And I'm the kind of person, like I, I read negative reviews and I, I don't you sit thrive there. off of it. I I'm like, okay, I listen to what they say. And I'm like, I'm going to make these things that people didn't like about the first book and keep them in mind and change that about the second book. Um, yeah. And you said so. that it was challenging. It felt like you were swimming underwater and couldn't see the top until you finished how yeah. did you stay? I wonder, like, how did you it's stay hard. focused throughout this process? Because I feel like you can be in a different mental state from like page one to page 50, then all the way to page 300. It's hard, man. Writing a book is so hard. Like it takes, a, it takes a long time to finish. So it's almost like in that entire time, um, I wrote this in about four months, maybe five months, which is actually okay. very fast. I should have taken longer. I was given a year to do it, but who really That's does not that? bad actually. If you if you're assigned something and you have a year to finish it, are you really going to start it the next day? Like who no. can? So <laughs> I always started like right at the last minute. <laughs> I, know. I exactly. waited until like I like okay, Joanna, you better get to work now. Like, uh, and in those four or five months, but yeah, I thought of the idea first, and I kind of had an outline, and then I just sort of let it sit for a while, and then I finally started the book months later. But um, so at least I I had like an idea, um, but it's so hard. And in that time, it's, it's like, it's like you have this unfinished project. So no matter what, if I was like, 
out to dinner with friends, if I was like with family, if I was doing anything, like all I could think of, like, I have to finish that book. I have to finish that book. So it's very hard, like to have a big project, like that's just looming over your head and like, you're not okay until it's done. <laughs> was there ever a uh, theme in mind that when you, uh, like during the writing process, like a theme that you had, or did you just have that I mean, story about a strip club? You know, I no. had a few, uh, just ideas of characters and stuff, but really a lot of this book, like it kind of just came to me as I went, mm -hmm. you know, I wrote outlines and didn't even use half the outlines. Like I just kind of, a lot of them, you know, I just kind of just, just, just went where the story took me, you know? Um, and, yeah. and things kind of came up as, as I went along. And the narrative, I really love how you gave control to the reader and, uh, it follows the journey of 25 year old. She 25. I think, 20, yeah. I think. Yeah. Naomi. It Naomi Greensfield. I'm trying to remember her yeah, actual name. Yeah. yeah, something like yeah. that. It, it was throughout a specific timeline in New York City as she discovers and learns uh, to become a stripper in the city that never sleeps. Mm -hmm. But it's just so much more to it than that because there's a lot more to it. Because that. what's the common saying? You want to grab the reader's attention by the first word or first uh, sentence, whatever it was. For me, there are four things that I want to talk about because by the uh, the first two pages that that really pertain to me. Four things: um, women, film coffee and new york city i've done all four and <laughs> you know and uh i went to film school i lived in new york city of course i'm a coffee addict and then and then women of course you know it's just i'm like this i feel like certain novels are made for certain people i felt like i was one of those people meant yes. to read this That's awesome novel That's awesome. and Wait, it, it was very did you pick first did she start today or start tomorrow um i was gonna add that was my next question because it was such a creative way to get the reader engaged it's like a call to action um Cause I kind of want to ask you this though. What's the, okay. Before I answer, considering all the press that you've been talking to, what's the most common journey path that you've heard? Okay. Everybody says they start today, which is kind of like, I love the start tomorrow path. I also love the hmm. start, today, but I'm like, I really hope nobody just reads the start today one and doesn't go back and start tomorrow because they're no, no, no. Like, um, um, now, now here's Naomi's home life, which I think is really interesting and yeah. really is very important for people to read and understand what it's like to be in the sex industry and also try to have a life at home, you know? Yeah. Well, let me tell you this, because I wanted to start Naomi's first day today because I've been going through my life contemplating this and that, and life is fucking short. You got to own the moment and right. so, go yeah. in for the kill. And I, Everybody yeah, and, and I love that element in the book, that whole the mistress path that I ended up. I think I ended up in the mistress. That was the first oh, one. The SM path? The which like one? Where she, where she works at like a dungeon. Did you get Yeah, that, that was great. Oh, I mean, I love that. I'm so glad you when, got uh, there. That's a very unique little detour that you take there. And I read it like late at night. It was like two or three a.m. in the morning. And uh and you know, it was it was dark at my house. And I, I was just imagining that the lights just pulsating with like the the you know the, the beats in the background and when you talked about how the room looked, it was very illustrated. Like you did a great job on that, which I I take to heart. When it comes to film, I love you know telling the story in a colorful well, way. I come you, from making films, so yeah. I, I picture everything very visually. You know, I yeah. picture movies. So, and yeah. and you also broke the fourth wall, which a couple of times, which was hilarious. You know, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And here's the thing: I have friends who've worked and are still in these industries, who from actors to dominatrixes to strippers. I'd imagine you'd have to be dead inside or have a really good sense of humor in these lines of work, right? I wouldn't want to use the word dead inside. Oh, well, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, you need to, I get it. Yeah. You kind of <laughs> need to have 
thick skin and you have to be able to compartmentalize yeah. sex in a certain way that not everybody can do, you know? And uh, as I was reading, I kept, I kept, you know, there are shows I'm watching on Netflix, you know, like WandaVision. And it was like going back and like changing the storyline. Sorry, spoiler alert. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. Um, I love the Mortal Kombat Katana reference. That was great. Grew up playing, <laughs> grew up playing Mortal Kombat. And I just imagine like the, like the MK3, like character select screen, like the, just the, what is it? Yeah. Um, the, the music playing in the background. And that tied into another film, which was Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Cause I felt like if you were to shoot this like film style, I, I would do it from a director standpoint, do it that way. So just an idea from right? director to director, hey. if you ever think about it. <laughs> If anybody wants to buy the movie rights to this book, please, I'm here. You can call me. <laughs> hey, this will be an all, ma all major podcast stream. So anyone's yeah. out there, reach out to Joanna. Yeah. yeah. Book, uh, I'll sell the movie rights to you at a great price. <laughs> yeah. And also another, I, I, ha I have to talk about this, but I'm, I, it's going to eat at me. Monsters, Inc. It was like a new door every night. It's like a new experience, yeah. you know, because every time I went, went back and like revisited different parts of Naomi's stories. I'm so glad you read the book right, you know. Yeah. And I you felt every... Yeah, and I, I loved it. Going back was great. It was like a game that I played. And I felt every character had their own dynamic impact in the book from Naomi to Naomi G to LeClaire to the mistress yeah, she, she to, uh, what is it? What am I forgetting? Indica, you know, and from I Rob. name in every adventure. Yeah, and from Rob to Melody to Brandy mm -hmm. to Rachel to Tony, uh, uh, TJ the DJ to Natasha, everyone played a significant part in this book. And I'm saying that because you felt that through Naomi's character, like, okay, I know who this person is. I know their background. I, I cared about him, you know, like every time yeah. I was really excited when Melody came back, it was great. I love the relationship they had and it was really cool to see her come back later on in the book. And it, it, something I want to talk about is if I'm correct, this was dedicated to your sister, Sarah. Yeah. And, yeah. and the main character and characters are loosely based off of how, uh, uh, based off of uh, people in her life. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, this is this, the main character of the book is probably like a unity of me and my sister. Cause my sister lives in Brooklyn. She's a total hipster, you know, and actually she did used to work at a coffee shop um, <laughs> in like, like the Upper East Side or Upper West or something, you know, in like a lame area of New York because she couldn't get a job at the cool Brooklyn coffee shop yeah yeah tell me stories every day my sister who is not in the sex industry but she works as like a she's like an opera singer actually <laughs> so, oh, wow. um, yeah so it's pretty cool um uh so you know but part of being like working in the arts is you're also working at a coffee shop you know so she always yeah. had these random funny like day jobs in new york um that were terrible and she'd always talk to me about it and I'd find them hilarious and she was always living in these quirky ridiculous living situations with these funny people um so I did take some and Naomi's apartment is an is my sister's apartment an exact replica of it because my sister lives in one of these wacky Brooklyn hipster railroad apartments where nothing makes any sense, you know, and it, it's just great for, for a story, you know, so. Does she know um, any of this? Does she know that? Oh, no, yeah. Okay. I, her is my best friend. Um, you I, just secretly put her life out there. <laughs> yeah, I asked her a couple questions as I put it, you know, just stuff like that. Um, and so, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, and, and the yeah. message I think, a message that I got from this book is about selling yourself. And that was something that was really important to you 
about about that and, and I got the message and I loved it. And like I said, it allowed you to tap into a different dimension of yourself that you may not have been able to tap into before. I mean, writing and here you are doing what yeah. you're doing. Like it's like another chapter, you know, pun intended. Um, you know, and I want to talk oh, about your favorite path. I don't know how much you've read. Did you hmm. get to the end of the dungeon one? I mean, yeah, that yeah I got the end of the dungeon one. That was, that was definitely one of my favorites. I think, oh, oh, oh you know what was funny? Um, well, the, the whole book was funny, but right. <laughs> it's funny because like my favorite parts were like the hilarious ones, like when she kicked him in the face with the, with the I love look, and, and Rob was so much fun to write. And it was like, God, Rob reminded me so much of a friend I, I know, like, because we all we all have a Rob. We all have a Rob. And we also we all know a Rob, especially yeah. very intertwined in the music industry. Yeah, and for definitely. This podcast, there's a path of the book where Naomi has a very handsome musician kind of boyfriend, not boyfriend, who's sort of a fuck boy in some chapters, but in some, in other paths, he's actually very supportive and helpful. Yeah. He's a, he's a total gentleman in, in most of what? them. You know? He's a total gentleman in, in, some, in most of them, you know? So, yeah. You know, um, and uh, that was really fun to play with because who doesn't love a handsome musician? It's like every woman's kryptonite. <laughs> and and uh, uh, I also love the drug ring bust. <laughs> I was laughing the entire. I could. I almost couldn't finish the chapter because of how funny it was. That actually like, happened to me when I worked at a strip club. No that way. Was, yeah, but I, but, but I feel like the, is that like a? I don't know. Is that common? I'm not want, calling out strip clubs, but like strip clubs get raided all the time. Yeah, um, and a would, lot of times raided for things they're not doing. Um, would you put yourself in Brandy shoes or Naomi shoes? Let's see. Or, or who was she? I she was in like Naomi shoes. I would always just like sit back and be like, mm, okay, when is this over? I'm just going to not be here right now. Or it could be my... the other version where you're like talking to the officer. Is there anything I can do? Yeah. The officer's like, wait, what? Why are you talking to me? <laughs> no, that did happen to me when I worked at a strip club. I remember once giving a lap dance to someone in the VIP room or a la I didn't, the lap dance didn't even really happen. This guy came in and like right away, he's like, can I take you to the VIP room? And I was like, okay, awesome. And I remember being so excited because, you know, going to the VIP room is a lot of money. And I was like, great. Wow. I really won this guy over. What did I do? And then he, I went back there and he's like, if I wanted some crack cocaine, where could I buy it? <laughs> Uh, uh, if I wanted sexual favors in exchange for money, could I do that here? And I was like, are you a robot? Like, what's going on? And I actually remember leaving the VIP room and going to the manager. And I was like, something's really weird. And then I told him, he was like, oh, fuck. He's like, okay, here's what you do, you know? And he, <laughs> it was like really funny. And so I always knew, I'm like, okay, anyone who's like really straightforward like that, they're an undercover cop or like something. Um, so I used that in the book because that was just like a quirky thing yeah uh, I, I love yeah. that and, and I, I actually love the uh I did love the like I said I talked about how excited I was to see Melody again I love that relationship because like oh, she if, if it was like she cared about her you know and after Rob you know I, I'm spoiling yeah. the whole book right now for no, everyone no, listening. <laughs> what we're talking about yeah but yeah but you know you know and then and the, the whole the way that Rob acted like a total asshole like it was just it was yeah. over in a blink and then, you know, Melody came and then it, that relationship that they mm -hmm. had, like, like you already knew like that, that infatuation she had for Melody and if, even, yeah. from, even from the start, the way she would talk about how she was dressed to, you know, when she would go on stage, how she, like, she, like Naomi focused on those points. And then when you circled back around her, it's like, okay, I, I get it now that the relationship yeah. that you had. 
But, you know, but look, in erotica, you know, I was trying to capture hot sex. Like some of the hottest sex you you can think back on your life that you've ever had is always with the person you weren't supposed to be having it with, you know? Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> that's the, yeah. a certain type of sex that exists when you're in an unhealthy situation that's just so hot. And like, so I had to include that in there. I feel like too much erotica focuses on these like froofy love stories. Sometimes someone that you're like obsessed with, but not in love with, but you think that's love. That's when like you have this crazy fiery sex. So her and Naomi and Rob had great sex that was entertaining to read about. And it was funny that like, you know, you could be reading it and be aroused by it, but at the same time you want her to leave him. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was all, it was always in the back of it. Like him, him just sitting in her apartment playing Xbox. I'm like, is she going to do something about that? Like, like you get, you get like thinking about that, you know? And, and I have friends, I'm not going to call out any friends, but I have friends who did that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, definitely. You know, do you always stay with murder because they're handsome and they're in a band, you know, they get like, like let off the hook for life. They don't have to pay rent. They don't have to like have manners or like do normal things that society has to do. They just get let off the hook. And, you know, um, so we, uh, we explored that in this book. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, the last one I just finished was uh, she left to go on tour with Rob, which was. Oh, okay. That's, that's, that, I, that's the job. Yeah. I, that, that was, that was really cool. I, I, I like that too. There's so many, I mean, I, there's just so many good things about it. Like again, I, we could talk forever. And look, this. I'm glad you're a you're a man and you read it. I, a lot of erotica is only made for like this like age demographic of like older mm. women to like sit at home when their husbands are at work and masturbate to or something. And like I didn't want to do that. I wanted to make a book that men would like, that younger women would like, that that you know gay women would like, that just gay a, men just a wider demographic for everyone. Yeah. yeah. Do you see? Joanna, do you see Club 42 as a snapshot of where you are in a certain time in your life looking back? Oh, yeah, definitely. Like I said, it's a combination of me and my sister, but it very much reminds me of of my early days entering the sex industry, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, so that it definitely captured, you know, this transformative time where you go from being like an awkward teenager, even though she was in her 20s, you're kind of you're in your awkward phase until, until, you know, when you're in when you're in, in high school, you're just the person that everyone tells you to be. When you're in college, you kind of do what you think you're supposed to do in college. And then when you're out of high school, you're out of college, you're put in this situation where you're like, well, who am I? What do I do? And I remember feeling that way. When I finished college, I was like, all this time, I really like wanted, to, I didn't want to be a regular girl in high school. I didn't want to be a regular girl in college. I was like an activist. I was like, uh, diff- I was always different. I was like in part of the punk scene and this and that. And it was a very scary moment when all these confines that you're fighting are gone and you're actually just left to like, well, well what am I exactly? You yeah. know, I, and, and, you know, and I happened to, to figure out the answers to those things in, in, in sex work. Um, and I'm not saying that uh, that happens with everyone, but everyone can relate to that time in their life where you're like, well, what, what, what is my adult life? Like, where do I fit in and what do I do? And, yeah. and what do I um, like, like when you don't have your parents telling you what to do and you don't have school telling you what to do, like, it's almost more stressful because you're like, well, now I just have to make these decisions for myself. And, and it, I can't just sit back and complain about other people. I need to, to be something. Um, so, yeah, I, that, I think that's a very important time in life. I mean, also night shift, the girl is in the same position in life. She finished college and she doesn't know what to do. And then she winds up working at a sex shop. Um, 
And in this one, she kind of winds up, you know, stumbling upon a strip club and working there. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I like to say, you know, at some point in our lives, we all need a $20 bill fan. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes. In the book, it talked yeah. about, she kept mentioning the $20 bill fan, the guy who yeah, threw the $20 bill on the, yeah. was like, that stuck with me throughout the book. It's like, yeah, you it's do. important. Yeah. And that's part for life. When you have that person that's just like, go for it. I'm there with you. Yeah. I got you. You know, from the different experiences and perspectives in your timeline that you have taken in, which we have discussed about so far, you know, whether it's burning angel in your college dorm, being a multi-award, multi-winning um, uh, <laughs> award, like adult film star, you know, inducted into ABN's hall of fame and Zerko's hall of fame, the praises you've received as a director, producer, best-selling author, entrepreneur, you know, you've experienced so much in the last two decades and then some in your life already, Joanna, and you're one of the most humble guests I've ever had on the show. Thank so you. I'm very humble. And I, I really, I don't take any, any praise for granted. And I still, I always strive to be better and better. I'm never, I'm never done, you know, like yeah. I, I'm going to leave you off with this. So what is the most rewarding part for someone like you who is now at this point in their career at the same time has been involved with so many other different aforementioned brilliant performers, actors, actresses, organizations throughout those junctures did all that just play a part in helping you grow as a person and a professional. In other words, do you ever stop to take a look back at how far you've come? You know, I never did until shut down, which I think was why I needed it. Like I have been, I, I like pushed go and I haven't looked back since 2002. Even after I sold my company, everyone's like, you can relax now. And I did not relax. I mm. kept going, kept going. I didn't even treat it like I sold the company. You know, I kept, you know, directing. I started different, you know, new things. And, and, and once the world shut down, that was the first time where I was like, oh, I should sit back and like appreciate what I have and I don't know like that was the first time I was forced to just slow down and and uh and look back at things and be yeah. proud um part of me was a little bummed that the shutdown happened right after I finished writing the book because I was like I could have written this during the shutdown but I was actually really <laughs> relieved because then I wouldn't have wanted to spend the whole shutdown writing a book I'm glad I actually just got to like spend time in my house. It's like I bought a house two years ago and I worked so hard to buy this house and I never even really like appreciated it. Like I, you know, I got to spend time in my house. I got to spend a lot of time with my, my pets. I got to like cook. I got to like, I don't know. And still, I was still pretty busy during the shutdown, but I, I think just being able to, to just push pause for a little while really helped me appreciate what I had, but I did have to spend some of the shutdown, not writing the book, but doing some of the yeah. edits and going back and forth. And so I, I finished the book. It was handed off to the editor and the editor sent it back to me two or three months later, which was mid shutdown. I don't know. In yeah. June, July or something. And that was such a great feeling. Cause I, I hadn't looked at the book for a while and I was like, this is, this is a great book. And I'm my own worst critic. Everything I ever do, I look at and I'm like, I could have done better. I could have done better. And I read this and I was like, I'm so happy with this book. It meant, it like really meant like the world to me. And, um, and, and I books can are, to that. yeah, books are hard because musicians, which I always would get jealous of with my husband or all musician <laughs> friends I've had over years. When you write a song, you could put it out there and right away you get it. Yeah, just like that. Yeah. Everyone's like, I love this song, you know, or I hate this song. At least, you know, everybody is, it's so easy to get people to listen to your song. And I've even learned that with, 
with adult, I've gotten very used to and almost addicted to this immediate reaction. I make a movie, it comes out within a, a month or two, sometimes even quicker than that. I've I could shoot something and put it on my OnlyFans later that day. And you get this immediate reaction, this immediate, you know, in a book, it takes long to write. It takes long to edit. After that, it takes long to put out. And then after that, it takes a long time for people to read it. By the time it actually gets through the first round of people reading it and finishing it, it takes a long time. So I have to, I had to put that, like, that urge that I have to always get like immediate feedback kind of had to be put aside. So it, it feels really good to know that, that you've read it and you've enjoyed it. Um, because you're a person that I would, I would want to like it. You're a dude in the metal scene. Like how many dudes in the metal scene read a rock novels? Like that's unheard of, you know? Like, yeah. So, and, and here so it is. Let's, let's make world. it a trend. <laughs> yes. Yes. I didn't just want, you know, yeah. middle-aged yeah. housewives reading. This is not for like the, the same people that read 50 shades of gray. This is supposed to be for like, you know, regular people. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I highly recommend all my listeners to go and pick this up. You know, you were, you. You, you were talking about, I, I felt like it's easy to lose track every when you're successful and you kind well, of just have to push everything away and just kind of take a look at it from the outside and kind of just reassess everything that you've been through and then go back into it. And, and you talked about it. I feel like this pandemic did that for you. So it did, did. did that for me too. Now, uh, yeah. I'm, uh, this can be the last one. I promise. Yeah. I'm going to let you go here. So I know uh, I like to end things on a really cool note. Um, on a funny note, technically, or actually cool note. Let's, let's do cool. Cause I know you did that. You did the 10 albums that have had a huge impact on you with not fest. I guess not... Was really fun. That was really fun to do. Yeah. It was stressful too. And then after I did it, I'm like, Oh, I feel bad that I didn't include this one and this one, but like, it wasn't your top 10, like favorite albums. It was albums that changed you. Yeah. That's like, you know, so I had to really think of albums that literally changed my life. And, and you, know? you you had albums that I would have had on my top 10, like really? we, like, like Weezer's Pinkerton. You had uh, Pantera's Vulgar Display of Power. I mean, come on. I'm in Texas for crying out loud. Pantera oh, is, is what we Pantera. grew up on. Uh, you I have know. Nine Inch Nails, uh, Pretty Hate Machine. I mean, uh, of course, Children of Bodom, Rest in Peace, Alexi. Um, you know, you had albums like um, Anti-Flag and Rancid, Rocket from the Crypt. I checked out Rocket from the Crypt, the Scream, Dra Scream Dracula, Scream album. And I'm like, how did I not discover this before? Oh, never, so, you know, yeah, that's no. so And so I know you already answered that question. So I know we briefly touched on film school for a little bit. So what about if you can, if you can do 10, that'd be great. Five favorite movies you can think of at the top of your head, top of your head. Top of my head, that yeah. changed my Sure. Okay, that impacted me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Number one, Heathers. <laughs> oh, wow. That movie is like, I think almost every movie I make is somehow inspired by What Heathers. year was that? I'm thinking oh, of the... Look it up. Uh, what was I'll it? I'll have to... Maybe? I'm going to have to... Heathers? You're putting together my, my uh, Netflix list or the it Amazon. I love. It's dark. It's got slutty girls. It's got death. It's got, you know, it addresses like issues about suicide. It, it's no, I, I know about this film. Yeah. 1988. Because I remember I was telling them, uh, I was telling them like, like this film, it was, um, it was actually one of my, I went to, when I went to film school, it was one of my, you know, uh, their favorites, like the people I went to film school with, they, they were mentioning this film. I was like, what is this? Because they were like, you know, talking about like different, like different kinds of like dark movies that they were talking about. And, and uh, this movie did come up. So you're the second person. Well, well second time like, I heard this since I went like to film the school. It's the most brilliant movie ever made. Like, <laughs> okay. I will take your word on that. All right. You got four more. 
Oh my God, it's so hard because I love so many movies. Um, uh, I mean, Halloween. Okay, Halloween yeah. Two, Halloween two. Okay, Not that's Halloween. a classic. Was that Jamie Lee Curtis's first Halloween two? Uh, uh, I believe, I believe so. I'll have to. I loved um, Halloween. That was. Uh, I'll name one American Psycho. That's that's in my top five. You love that movie? I absolutely love that movie. Why <laughs> you don't? Well, I mean, I love it, but I don't love it. I don't know. I like, thought it was brilliant. I thought it was. It I was, think. It was, uh, I, if you know what I when I watched that movie, I was like, "This is a dude's movie." I mean, it's you know, like it was, you know, it was direct. It was directed by a female. Do you know that? Oh yeah, no, but it was written by Brett Easton Ellis. You know. Okay. Was, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know. But. But yeah. I, I don't know that. That's just that movie. Just. That movie, no, it's I, a brilliant movie. Um, I guess. Uh, yeah. You know. Uh, I mean, Fight Club is, is a. Oh, Fight Club's in my top 10. Yeah. Sorry. My voice Fight just Club. like jumped there. Yeah. It's in my top Sorry. 10. Fincher's my favorite director of all time. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, that's three. Well, that's You're doing three. good so far. This is great. Um, 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 when, what, let's see. For like really important movies. Um, Are you looking through your. Uh... <laughs> no, I'm just thinking. Oh, okay. Because um, my like movie rack is like right there in front of me. I mean, one of the more recent ones, which is kind of a weird one to mention, but I actually thought it was like one of the most beautiful, touching movies I saw was, uh, what was it? Uh, Disaster Artist. About oh, that. that's a great film really, with James really Franco loved- and his brother. Yeah. 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 I really love, and I, I love um, Seth Rogen and, and James Franco together. They, they make some, some really um, brilliant stuff. I don't know. Uh, like, um beetlejuice beetlejuice okay yeah all- those are all classics uh we actually love those can it beetlejuice nightmare before christmas and uh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and edward scissorhands all in one does it can that count as one <laughs> no i feel like that all sums up joanna like in one just in one like yeah. movie movie binge and then um, if I'm add just a, a wacky like pink flamingos you know by john waters fucking that's a that's a legendary one i'm gonna have to check out heathers now because now you've gotten that seeped in the back of my brain I mean, but, like, um, yeah that was like i watched heathers so many times growing up and like i i like i don't know that movie like inspires everything that i maybe do it could it, like, inspire the next book who knows yeah who right knows? um it inspires like like mo like all the burning angel movies are very like you know it's like to be able to to make i don't know and I love almost every movie, even bad ones, about like high school where like the loser becomes the winner. I mean, who doesn't love that? That's like such a love feel- that. yeah, the kind of like the I underdog mean, like, story. Girl, but, you know. All that I mean, I feel like Heather started off that in uh, that genre of like mm. here's the loser who now becomes the cool one, you know? Yeah. Everyone loves a loser. I mean that's oh, the craft, the craft, another one. Yeah. Now, okay now you're going off into like <laughs> I, like I think that that may be 10 actually i can't i can't yeah. really keep up but um but there's so many i love movies and, yeah you know hey from yeah. one film school to or at least one film nerd to another you know that's i love that you were able to show that yeah. uh, who knows that could change tomorrow that at least at least mine does um do you have any you know last that's words one that's what i missed about the pandemic i, I couldn't go there's movies coming out there's like do no you, movie do you remember the last movie the you movie. saw in theaters 
the last movie I saw in theaters, which was like not that great of a movie, was uh, Invisible Man. Oh, um, I heard. Eh, I heard. You know, mixed. It was okay. It was, it was okay. It was okay. But I did not know that was going to be the. I used to go to the movies like twice a week or something. I was seeing. I was, and so now there's been no movies. I, you know, there was like, but now stuff is starting to come out on HBO Max and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah. Um, I, I highly recommend you watch I Care a lot. Okay. So well, I don't know. If, I don't know if that has been a buzz around who you, you know, who we've seen on social media, but it's with it's with uh, Rosamund Pike, who's in okay. Gone, Gone Girl, and. uh can't remember the other person, but it's about it's about a person who starts her own like brand. You know, it's a very oh, kind of yeah. almost like a I don't even know if I want to say brand because she starts like this whole like this this work business that she has and she gets really greedy, like she takes advantage. And then you kind of you kind of uh, you as an audience, you kind of at a standstill. Like, should I root for this person? Should I root against this person? Oh, that sounds really yeah. Good. So it's on okay. Netflix. I, I highly recommend it. Yeah. A lot of people didn't like it just because of the way she kind of just grew her like her into a billionaire and but but it, it's really the twist is crazy at the end anyway anyway um before i leave you off here this has been great uh do you have any last words just any shout outs anything you like to plug as far as club 42 or doom's whiskey anything going forward just before... buy my book. Just let just buy my book can you follow me on instagram twitter my name is joanna angel um and uh there's links to buy my book there but you can buy it on amazon it's called club 42 by joanna angel um and if you feel like getting weird join my only fans <laughs> <laughs> hey nowadays getting weird is like the normal so yeah, yeah um and and everyone who's listening this is joanna angel please like you said buy club 42 i mean take it from a metalhead like take it from a person who's in a film like yeah. you know uh, a film a film dude if he liked it this is not your typical erotica so thank you no, that really it's it's definitely not hey you even had like bits and pieces of like judas priest and iron maiden and like zeppelin in there i love that you could, yep yep yeah and uh uh came out february 9th or 16th i think on cleese press but by the book join angel thank you from the bottom of my heart this has been such a pleasure thank you be you. safe out in california and i look forward to uh, talking to aaron in a couple weeks so yeah. tell him i said hey okay thank you you have thank a good a good day Hey guys, thanks for listening to Interview Under Fire podcast. If you guys liked what you heard, please subscribe and share our channel. And please leave a five-star review as that helps us tremendously. And also, if you guys have any questions or comments, you can find us at Interview Under Fire at Facebook or at Instagram. Or you can write us directly at schwag at interviewunderfire.com. That's S-C-H-W-A-G at interviewunderfire.com. Or Rezablade, that's R-E-Z-A-B-L-A-D-E at interviewunderfire.